this morning. Uh, down, down front down here. Please, sir. So um, come back with me to, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 34. I just want to catch a couple things, and then we're going to look this morning about uh, the territories and the heavenly places, cleaning, cleaning those up. We, we looked at the, at the battle plan last week. We looked at the issue there with uh, how God's plan was and how the war and so forth. And uh, I, I just want to go back in and, and kind of pick up some of the details because next week we're going to look at the creatures that are out there. there there's, there's the seraphims and the, the cherubs, and there's an animal that is a river-drinking animal, literally goes in and... Uh, sucks up a whole river, just, you know. <laughs> There's the unicorns. Oh, the unicorns, they're all full of fantasy. No, they're not. They're there, and you got to understand them. There's a behemoth. There's all these different animals and creatures that make up. If you look in Isaiah 34, we looked at this passage last week. Just real quick, verse number 4. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. See all that host of heaven, and all that's going to be dissolved? And, and I just, last week we, we looked there, verse number 5, for my sword shall be bathed in heaven. And, and again, when we begin to look at the issue of the heavenly places, I, I, I told you there are four things to remember about the heavenly places. One, they're real. Just as you and I are sitting here in Tempe, Arizona, and, and it's real, and you can see it, and you understand it, so also is the heavenly places. And we begin to look at those correspondence between earth and heaven. Earth is pictured after heaven, and, and those correspondence there. The second issue about the heavenly places is right now they're organized. And we looked at the powers structure there, the governmental structure, the principalities and powers and mights and thrones and dominions and, and rulers and every other name that's named and all of that structure, okay? Then the third thing to remember about the heavenly places is right now they're in the hands of the usurper. Satan is in control of them. And the fourth thing, though, is though he is in control, one day God... God will reconcile them. He will restore them back underneath his headship. And that's what we were looking there in Ephesians 1. And then last week we were talking about the, full, the plan. And the plan of God's plan of, of recapturing, of reconciling the, the heavenly places is really twofold. And we looked over there in Numbers 33 where he tells Israel, when you go in, you're going to dispossess the inhabitants and then you're going to dwell in their place. And that's what he's doing here in Isaiah 34, verse 6. He's disposing... He's dispossessing the, the heavens. He's cleaning them out. He takes them and rolls them together as a scroll, and he shakes out the, 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 bad, the, the bad guys, if you will. Come over with me to, back over to Revelation chapter 12, which is where we were and, and really where I wanted to start this morning. Revelation 12, and this verse 7 and 8 and, and so forth here, with this issue about what's going on in the heavenly places. As he rolls up and, and, and as he's reconstructing and reconciling all this together, verse 7, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, 
and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we looked at this last time. We got a war. This isn't just a little skirmish, you know. It's a war. It's all-out war. Back there in Isaiah 34, he says, I, I, the, the Lord says, I, my, my sword is bathed in blood in the heaven. It, this, is a blood, this, is a, this is war. And if you've ever thought about war and you pay attention to history and, you know, war and peace, right? Everybody reads that, right? Or, or the art of war and you begin to, all the, those stuff, and you begin to think about war and how they, they go about it. There are, you don't fight everywhere. You fight in strategic locations to control certain areas. They say that in World War II, had the Japanese taken Midway, they would have controlled the Pacific. It would never, Hawaii was, was never even on their radar to begin with. It was the battle for Midway that is what got them. Then they went to, you know, they didn't get that, so they go after Hawaii because that's where all the command guys were. But there's, so you're not fighting on every little island. You're fighting for what? Strategic control of an area. And that's really what's happening here. You'll notice the, the description. I'll tell you what, folks. Your Bible, the Word of God, is the leading authority on types and pictures and understanding of anything out there that's going on. You have to remember, Solomon in Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. So when you think something is new, you go back in history far enough, and guess what you find out? It ain't new. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> and usually it ends up back in the issues of paganism, Baal worship, back over there in Satan's dominion. Okay? There's nothing new under the sun. So when you look at symbols, here's a dragon. There's a dragon. Now, he's got a name called the devil and Satan. But think about a dragon. Over at the Phoenix Zoo, they've got those big kimono dragons, big lizards. And that's what this is. That's why I told you. There's all kind of creatures here. And here's a big, a terrifying-looking lizard when they showed up a couple, month, a couple months ago, a couple years ago. I went up there to look. I went. I told Linda, we're going to the zoo. She was happy. And I'm like, I just wanted to see the, the lizards. Why? Because they're, they're, they're ferocious, they're huge. Then he says they lost their place, that location, their ability to function. Verse 10, after the war, verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan and his angels have been dispossessed from the heavens. That's our territory. That's where we're headed. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. So the moment he dispossessed through the war, cast Satan down to the earth, the last major battlefront down here on the earth, Battle of Armageddon and all that over in the Middle East, what did he do? He installed his people. He installs us. We dwell there. Because if we don't dwell there, if the territory isn't occupied, then what does Satan think he can go do? Come over to Luke 11. He thinks he can go back. Look at Luke 11. And that's why this two, twofold attack here 
and, and understanding the, the, the ramifications of what God's doing is so important. Now, this is all future of us today, but it's key to you and I today to understand that this is what's our, our destiny, our future. Because when you look around with what's going on in the world today, real quickly, you get overwhelmed, you get, dis, you, you, you get depressed, <laughs> okay? You get all run down, you go, oh man, woe is me, and yet you, you need to remember, hey, this is what's really, this is what's real. The stuff going on around us isn't real. This is what's real. This is what's going to last for eternity, Okay? Luke 11. Look at verse 21. When a strong man, armed, keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. You see, there's a strong man. Now, the strong man is Satan. And he literally here in Luke 11, what the, what the Lord is describing is the satanic ca captivity that Israel is in and under. Israel is under the bondage and the captivity. They've got, he, the strong man has him. But, but notice in verse 21, he keepeth his palace. And he keepeth, he, he, I'm sorry, verse 21, when a strong man armed you know what it is to be armed? Some of you guys tote guns. What are you? You're armed. You, you have the ability to do what? Defend and attack. He's talking about armament. He's talking about military. He's talking about the armies of Satan here. Satan has strategic places in the, in the heavenly places out there that he is in control of and is running, and, and they're strategic so that he can hold whole territories under his dominion in captivity. It's here in the earth as well. Then he says palace. I love that. Palace. You know, that's the place. I don't know if you guys remember when we went into Iraq and the guys would go into the palaces of Saddam Hussein. And you would see all of the splendor, didn't you? You see all of the gold, all of the, 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 the that's what the palace is. is a pla uh, the place where the glory of your reign is put on display. But it's also, down in the basement, headquarters. It's also where you're living. And his palace and his goods, they're what? Verse 21, they're in peace. He's in control. I think about goods, you know, uh, the supply clerk. Here, here's radar <laughs> from the, he, the supply chain, keeping it. And it's all what? It's all in peace. But notice what happens in verse 22. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him, there's the Lord Jesus Christ. What's going to happen? He's going to come upon him and overcome him. He taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoil. Spoil. Look at that. He, what is, what is, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he presents us to the Father, 
in the third heaven, comes down into the second heaven out there in what we call the universe, the starry sky, the, the galaxy out there, the, the Milky Way and all that. And there's a spiritual warfare that begins to happen. And as he does what? As he begins to dismantle all of the adversary's stuff in the heavenly places. And these territories that were... That, that he has, all of the places that Satan controls, the Lord comes along and takes away from him, removes all the things that give Satan his strength and his power and, and his, just his cockiness to do what he's doing. The Lord comes along and just says, nope, they're mine. And he does it, but he does it by war. Now, come over with me to Job 38. What I want you to see this morning are the territories. Job 38, or Job, if you have to have Job. Uh, every time I say that, I think of Justin and Monday night, Job. Job 38, every time, I'm sorry. I'll, that'll be a dying, I'm going to be on my deathbed, and I'm going to say that. <laughs> so Justin's made an impact on me for, for life. Okay, there you go. All right, Job 38. The territories, that's what I want you to see this morning because we're clean, he's cleaning them up. And that's what the war is doing. The war is going in and dispossessing and then he's going to install in the heavens the church, the body of Christ. And in, again, in Job, you have more information about creation than, and really pictures and types and all than you do anywhere else in Scripture outside of maybe a couple passages in Psalms. But the territories, that, it, it, that there's an organized system of territories. And again, you see it here on the earth, the comparison up in the heavenly places, where Satan has a stronghold, where he has come in and literally says, here it is. They're identifiable. You can see them. I was, the fire, the wildland fire that they had a couple weeks ago, and the guys are out there, um, you know, you see that, you don't think much about it until you see it happening. So I got to looking into, I don't know, I never thought about there being a science on fire, but there is, you know. <laughs> so you get to looking at it, and one of the wildland firefighters' thing is to get a stronghold, to get a line. We're going to hold the line. So they chose uh, the 188 up there. It wasn't getting past that. We're going to keep it here and we're going to do. And that's what Satan does. We're going to, I'm going to control this whole area by controlling this one port, this one area. And in Job 38, the Lord is talking to Job. Job has been, everybody's done giving Job advice. Now it's God's turn to talk. And he looks at Job, verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Boy, that, there's a great thing for you with religion right there. Who's darkening your counsel with words without knowledge? If they are, you know what you need to do? Turn them off. Shuck them. Get rid of them. It's great. It's a, it's a, that's such a great piece of advice right there. Keep it simple, Job. Don't listen to those guys. Gird up now thy loins, verse 3, like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Now, when God 
he, when he says here to Job, gird up your loins like a man, he's not ta- telling Job, grow up and be a man. Okay, Paul says, quit ye and be like men. That, that's not what the Lord's saying here. The Lord's telling Job, I'm going to talk to you about creation, Job. And when I talk to you about creation, I need you to think about this like a man would think about this. I don't, Job's grown up. He's been through a lot. He, he does not grow up and be a man, Job. But no, come, Job, now, and let's think the way, think like a man would think. Think about why I created everything. Verse 4. Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. You know, Job wasn't there when he laid the foundation. By the way, man wasn't there either. Man was created day six. He laid the foundation day one. (laughs) He wasn't there yet. Where were you, Job? Verse 5. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Who, uh, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Notice all of those questions there. By the way, Job, the answer Job should have said was, well, I wasn't there, Lord, but you were. You're the creator. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You're the creator. I wasn't there, but you were. But notice the construction terminology, the cornerstone. You know, that, that perfect stone, the perfect spot on the, on the blueprint. And what are you going to do? You're going to lay out the foundations. Verse 5. You're going to lay the measures thereof. You're going to stretch the line. You're going to take that blue line and you're going to run it. It's, it is blue, right? I can't, I'm colorblind. I got new glasses. And, and the lady goes, here, let's do a colorblind test. I said, I already am. She goes, no, let me see. So she held up, and I'm like, she's like, well, not to, oh, my goodness, you're bad. I go, tell me about it, you know. And it's in the blue greens. I just can't see them, okay. I can see green on the stop, on the go sign, because it's the bottom light, and we go fast, okay. And besides, the car next to me moves, so we're good to go, right. <laughs> and then when all the cars next to me stop, then what do I do? I stop. No, just kidding. Look at the faces looking at me. What? You know, I drove a school bus. Come on now, you know. <laughs> no, what do you do? What is he, all of the measuring, all of the construction terminology, lay it out, the foundations, the measure. You, you take the line and you snap it and you got your straight line and you, you begin to work on it. The cornerstone. Job, where were you when I created creation? Where were you, Job? And Job's answer was, I wasn't there, but you were. You're the creator. Verse 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. I mean, look at all of creation, all those creatures. Look over at verse 16. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Or hast thou walked in in the search of the depth? Look at all that out there. Did you go do that? Were you there, Job? Now watch verse 17. Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest. See that issue about the gate? You know that there is a place where death dwells? In the universe out there? 
It's got a gate on it. It's got doors on it. There's a place in that universe out there where death is located. The shadow of death is, is there. Its presence is there. Verse 19, where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? The way. There's a freeway. There's a road where light dwelleth. So not only is there a place where death dwells, but there's a place where light dwells, and there's a place where darkness dwells. There's these locations. There's a highway, a road, verse 20, that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof. There's a wall around it, a fence around it, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. There's a white picket fence with a big, beautiful house behind it where light dwells. And then down the road, there's one that's got the, the darkness in it and death in it. And there's these, all these locations throughout the, the universe out there. And it's got a bound around it. It's got a fence around it. Over there in Genesis 10... You go down into Acts over there, and Paul says that he set bounds around the nations. There's borders, and there's a border wall, if you will, a fence around it. Now, when he talks about light and darkness, he's not talking about the physical things. He's talking about the spiritual issues. And there's a place there. And what the Lord Jesus Christ does in the war is he's dismantling all these. He's repossessing those that Satan is in control of. He's Satan, he, oh, well, we'll get over there in Colossians. I'll get ahead of myself. Keep reading, verse 22, Job 38, 22. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? Now, Think about this, treasures. When we think about treasure, what do you usually think about? Huh? Stuff, right? But stuff in a box, a treasure box, right? You know, you go over there and you hide treasures. You know, my kids were good at that. They hide their treasures all over the house. And then I would find them and they became mine. <laughs> you know, especially when it was chocolate. <laughs> you know, candy bar, you know. But the treasures... But treasures of snow, treasures of hail. Hail in your Bible is a, is a, is a, is a form of, of armament. It's a form of attack. In the, in the ten plagues of Exodus, one of them was hail. You go over in Revelation, and there's going to be hail, big old chunks of it that are going to wipe out you know, people. So hail's not a good thing. And what you see here is up in the heavenly places out there, when God created it, you know what he put in? He put in his ammo dumps is what he did. He put in his treasures of hail. He put in spots all over the universe, strategic locations for the day of war, for the day when he would come in and say, hey, this is what's going to happen, and we're going to dispossess the enemy. Verse 23, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. He says, I'm doing the Job, where were you when I created this? Because when I created the universe out here, I knew that there was going to be a big battle coming one day. So you know what I did? I started stockpiling stuff. So when the day, when Michael and his angels come in, and they run out of, 
you know, whatever they use for ammo, you know, you think about fiery darts and archery and guns and, you know, that's how we think about it. But then you know what they could do? They could call in resupply, boom, and it's there. And it's already set in the universe. You know, it's the same case here in the earth. Noah's flood did more to, to hide so much of that on the earth than ever before. There's a, there's a shaft down at the bottom end of the Dead Sea that leads down into the lake of, uh, into hell. He, in his second coming, when he comes down in there, he's going to burn that landscape off and he's going to expose that shaft. It's there now. It's got a gate on it. It's got a lock on it. It's there. Well, how do you know it? Because the Bible, his word tells me. And we're going to answer that question, what saith the scripture? Well, here's what the scripture says. Verse, where'd we stop? Verse 23. Look at that. He did all of that. Verse 31. By the way, if you run your eye back up there to verse 10, you're talking about the, the depths coming forth and they break forth in verse 8, 9, there, verse 10, and break upon it for it my decreed place and set bars and doors. There's his decreed place, the Garden of Eden over there, gar that garden eastward in Eden. He's talking about the flood, Noah's flood. We're going to open that thing up and we're going to bounce this off their, <laughs> their forehead. <laughs> Whack. Verse 31, verse 30, the waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Look at that, the sweet influences and the bands. That's the constellations out there. You, you know, you, you, you get to cheat today because you got Google, you know, Google Earth. Show me, you know, Orion, and it shows you. You know, you don't have to look for it anymore. You know, we used to sit out, we'd go camping there, and we'd go down the Fox River, the Illinois River, on the canoes, and we'd get off and go camp and lay out. And you could, you get out and far enough from the city of Chicago, you can actually know that there's a starry sky up there from the lights and everything. And we'd sit there, and oh, there's the Big Dipper, and there's this and that. Nowadays, you just Google map it, and there it is, you know. But can you, but all of that is what? It's communication. It's a consolation. Verse 32, canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arturius with his sons? There's the Zodiac. Verse 33, knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? And you know what? By the way, Job, man, should have been able to control all of these. That's what Genesis 3 is all about. Genesis 1 and 2, sorry, he gave you subduing. Job, God says to Job, Job, as a man, you should have been controlling all of this, but you can't, you didn't, you dropped the ball. But notice the ordinances, things that rule. Why does, why does the sun stay right where it stays? Because a degree closer or a degree further impacts us, doesn't it? Why does this little blue ball stay right where it is, spinning, doing its thing, right where it is? Why does it do that? Because there's an ordinance. You go to Einstein and all those guys, and they develop, they develop theories and of physics and all. You know that all that was there already? 
they didn't create anything. They just went pi squared equals 2 plus, you know, and, and put letters for numbers and all that stuff. And you go, huh? You know? They did all of that, but it was already there. He did that. Job, where were you? Job couldn't control this. Man couldn't control this, but you know what's going to happen one day? Man will be able to do what Job couldn't do. And that's where we're at. Ordinance. I, I love that word, order. An arrangement that holds things together that then will allow you to accomplish your purpose. So the location and the creatures that fill these locations, he's going to clean them up. And when you look to that starry, you're in Job, right? Come over to Isaiah. Actually, go to Job 1. I'm sorry. Let's just go to Job 1. Job 1. And get Isaiah 14. Job 1 and Isaiah 14. This is not on your list, but something I just thought about. As I'm teaching, I'm still thinking. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> no? Okay. Job 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. So where is Satan? What did he just say I came from? I came from earth. But the meeting is in the heavenly places out there. Okay? Isaiah 14. Look over with me at verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Now watch, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Do you see that issue there about the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north? That is a, a, a geographically located place in the heavens, up in the north, where Job 1 takes place, where all of the angelic hosts would come to God and give an account of their activity. Satan says, Isaiah 14, I want to control that. I'm, I'm going to be in charge, okay? But the thing is, is that place where all of that was to take place and happen correlates down here onto the earth into what will one day be where the great white throne judgment sits, the great white throne judge, uh, the throne will sit up in Lebanon in that area up north of Jerusalem. Okay? Now, come back to Luke 8. I say all that so that you get an idea. I, I, really what I'm trying to get you to do is your, your Bible, your, the, the Word of God, the King James Bible, is such a fascinating book when you get into it and you start looking at this stuff, you look at Job 38, we didn't look at nearly half of what it was to run the verses would be here forever, and I'd like lunch, but uh, you guys don't need it, but I do. So, yeah, I'm going to wake you guys up. I know it's only going to, what, 115 today or whatever out there. You'll be okay, okay? Not yet? All right. See, Luke 8, so in your scriptures... All of this is laid out for you, and you can see it, and you can begin to understand it, that, hey, look, 
The stuff that we see down here on the earth is matching up there, and there are territories. There are places of, we were looking at the map of the state. In In the state, Flagstaff, Phoenix, and Tucson are basically down the middle. So everything is going to move through that central corridor in this state. So if you control those three cities, what do you control? The state. You don't have to worry about any of the other territories. You just got to control that central territory. I watched that movie Red Dawn, Wolverines, you know. And what do you find out? You find out that they went in and they control certain territories. And then what do they do? They control the whole region. This used to be known as the Arizona-New Mexico Territory. But the territorial seat sat over there in New Mexico. But what did that seat do? It governed the whole of two and a half states, basically. See? So that's what Satan's doing. And you know what? We see it in the Lord's Day in the earthly ministry. And just as Numbers 33 tells us, just as we see the other passages tell us this and paint the picture, guess what Luke 8's going to do? Paint the picture of this territory, these territories. Luke 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Never forget that the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was preaching and showing the issues of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. And the two things that he showed in in preaching and showing, the two great signs, was the healing of the sick and the casting out of the demons, the devils. And in Luke 8, you begin to see this great picture of him casting out the devils. Come down, if you will, to verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. I'm going to scribble. (laughs) All right? There's the Sea of Galilee. Not really, but that's what it looks like. He's down here. They're going to go across to the Gadarenes, to the area, to the country of the Gadarenes. That's in the northeastern side. They're down here. That's where they're working. They're going to go up there. Okay? That's what they're doing. Verse 27, And he went forth to land. There met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. You gotta, we call this the maniac of Gadara. He's out there. He's got no clothes. He has no house. He's out there sleeping in the cemetery. He's bouncing around. A wonderful picture of the spiritual condition of Israel under the captivity of Satan at this moment in time. This territory of the Gadarenes here, the maniac. No house, no clothes. Verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. (laughs) What are you going to do to us? He's got a bunch of these devils in him, unclean spirits. What are you going to do to us? Now, he's down here, and where is he? He's up here in this territory of the Gadarenes. 
Now that territory is the territory where Satan literally now has a stronghold in the earth, in Israel. And the Gadarenes, this territory, is the first place where Satan gets a foothold in Israel. And it happens in Judges 17 and in Judges 18, where Micah has a house, not the prophet Micah, another Micah, puts up a house, and he's got a worship of God, uh, where he's going to worship his gods. And then they come in, and he's got, a, he's got a priest, and they call him father now, even though Micah's older than this young man who becomes the priest. And they've got sacrifices, and they've got incense, and they've got all this stuff and then the tribe of Dan comes and takes all of Micah's stuff away (laughs) go read Judges 17 and 18 he's like wait a minute and you know what they do the tribe of Dan comes in and they they look at the young priest he's a Levite priest he's just out of school he's out looking for a place to minister and to do so he ran into Micah but then the tribe of Dan comes and they said you're a priest of this this family what, don't you want a promotion and be a priest of a whole tribe? Don't you want to have an exalted position? And he said, well, what, what idiot wouldn't? You know, we get paid and a little pay better, a little food better. So he off you. He goes, I got to go pray to the Lord to see what I'm supposed to do. The Lord told him don't go. But you know what he did? He went anyway. Satan, for the first time, gets a foothold into Israel through the tribe of Dan. That's where that is. Falls in their territory. He's got a foothold. He comes in here. Jesus is coming up now. And he begins, notice verse 28. What have, at the end of that verse, what have I to do? (coughs) Excuse me. With thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, notice, most high. Most high. That title, you go back to Genesis 17, is, is defined for us to be the possessor of heaven and earth. You know what he says? Listen, what am I supposed to do with you? You're the possessor of heaven and earth. So you know what? What does Jesus do as the Son of God? Well, he literally takes in the picture, in the the type here, and he puts the usurper out of the land. And he liberates the land. And and the picture here, look, look at these guys in verse 28. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice, right? Verse 29, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. See that? Verse 30, and Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountainside, and they besought him that he should suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and were choked. Now think about that. Here you have, by the way, the swine, the pig, is that a clean animal or an unclean animal? Unclean, isn't it? 
Here you have an unclean spirit, and you know what he says? Don't throw us in the deep. Don't throw us out of the land. You know why? Because they understood that they needed to be in that land to corrupt Israel and to cause Israel not to be usable by God. So you know what he says? Okay, I won't throw you in the deep, but I'm going to go put you in that unclean animal over there. And then what did the unclean animal do? Ran into the deep. Went over there and ran into the lake. <laughs> yeah, okay. But you, my point here is, when, by the way, when they ran into the deep, we're right back to Genesis 1, verse 3. And the Spirit moved upon the face of the deep. See? And what you have here in this picture is you have this picture of Christ coming back and setting everything to back to the way it was to begin with in its originality. And by the way, if you go back there to Genesis 1, verse 2, you find out that the earth was without form and void, terminology that Jeremiah associates with his second coming. So the Lord is doing some things here as he's coming back and he's like, listen, he's doing all this in picture and type for Israel, but you and I, as we look at it, what's he doing here? It's in a location and what did he just do? He dispossessed the guy. Now, you go on and read down through the rest of it, and they want the guy to come with him, but he decides to stay. And he fills it back up. So here we are at the second coming of Christ. The rapture has happened. We're home. Come over to Colossians chapter 1. We're home with the Lord. We've been presented to the heavenly Father. The Father is taking us, and he's going to put us out into those positions of rank and authority. But prior to that, we have the coming of Christ and the war in heaven where he dispossesses the heavenly places. He sets all that. He kicks Satan and all of that out. This rearranges the heavenly governmental structure, puts in the church the body of Christ, you and I. And then, say, then the Lord comes on back down and finishes out the deal here on the earth, doing the same thing. What I'm trying to get you to see is these territories. They move from Galilee, good land, into the bad land, and they kick it out. And he deals with them. He dispossesses them. That's what he's doing. So Jesus Christ has restored the territories. When I told you a few weeks ago the Heavens are kind of chopped up into those 12 sections. Those are those territories. And then you have a prince and a power and all this stuff, and you begin to work it. But within that territory, where do you have? Thrones and dominions, and you've got all of this. Okay? It's all right here. Now look at Colossians 1, and watch verse 12, and let's bring it into us today. Verse 12. Well, shoot. Verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's a wonderful thing, to be filled with all the knowledge of his will. Knowing what God, what is God doing? You know what God's not doing? Whatever you think he is doing over here, trying to move and manipulate situations and, you know, well, God's going to re-elect President Trump. I know he is. I prayed. Bob, he ain't doing that. You know? 
Well, God's going to do this. He ain't doing What's he doing? He's forming the church, the body of Christ, to be used one day to regather, reconcile those heavenly places. And he says, I want you to be filled with that wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Verse 10, that, here's why, you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You want to have a pleasing life, a, a walk of a life that's well-pleasing to, I know of nobody that want, doesn't want that. What, how am I going to do it? I'm going to do it this way. Here's the prescription. Being fruitful in every good work and in increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father. Oh, to have a thankful heart, to know that this world is just passing by and to be home in heavenly place and absent from the Lord, present, I mean, I'm sorry, absent from, absent from the Lord, yeah, absent from the body, present with the Lord, okay, looking forward to the day of redemption, okay, understanding that, have that grip, seek the things, seek those things which are above, having that grip your thinking, not worried about, you know, the stuff on, down here, the Lord's just going to light a match and burn it all up. That's all it is. And yet, what do we do? Hold on to it. Oh, what are you doing? Don't you do it. You know, I'm not talking about just letting everything go, but that's how we look. My dad always said, and I never understood it until I got into the, being a pastor. He said, when the Lord comes back, he's going to have to yank some of you guys twice to get you out of here. Because we get our roots so sunk down into the ground. And we latch on to it. And he says, hey, naked you came in, naked you're leaving, man. But the only thing you're taking with you is what's going on inside of you in your inner man. That's the only thing that goes to heaven. When you die or when the rapture happens, what goes to heaven is what you built up in that inner man, your soul and your spirit. You ought to give thanks to the Father. That he doesn't require anything else. Because we'd have been in trouble. Finish reading the verse. Which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. Meet. Qualified. He's already done this, by the way. He's not going to do it. He's already done this. Watch verse 13. Who hath delivered us. See the past tense? It's already done. He has destroyed He's delivered us from the power of darkness. He has destroyed the authority of Satan over your life, to run your life. He's destroyed the right of Satan to have a grip on your life. You know who allows Satan to have a grip on your life? You do. Who you are in Christ, he's already destroyed it. He's delivered us from it. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You know what he did? He changed your citizenship. He moved you from darkness into light. He put you into his kingdom. How? In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He does it at the cross. He comes along and he wins the right to change your citizenship from darkness to light, from Satan to God. And he says, just as I did that for you, 
Colossians 1 verse 20, and having reconciled, I'm sorry, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Just as the cross took you out of darkness and placed you into life, in the light, the cross now will take you and he will put you in those heavenly places out there and he will dispossess the enemy for you and he will cause you to dwell in there and he will cause you to be his people and he will do for you and to you everything he said he would do. And our job right now is to build all that into our inner man. <laughs> to take all of that, get in there, build it up, begin to develop some skills some life skills, some abilities to deal with what's coming, not only here on the earth, but out there in the heavenly places. This morning, just I want you to just see the territories. This isn't helter-skelter. This isn't over here one day and over here the next and bouncing back and forth. It's strategic. He laid in those treasures and that armament, and he has strategic just as you would think about any war, you read Patton, you read all the great generals, you read all of the war stuff, and you know what? They had strategic, if we're here, then we can control the whole area. If we control this one bridge, we got two cities under our control. One bridge, that's the idea, okay? They're there. You get in there and dig them out a little bit better than what we did this morning. Next week, we're going to look at the creatures, because that's some weird stuff. You go, huh? But they're there. See, you think a unicorn, think, we, you know, you think about a unicorn, everybody's got a horse with one, you know, doohickey out the front. Not in Scripture. I'll show you. We'll look at it. Oh, it's a fantasy. Fire-breathing dragons. They're there. Leviathan. Sea monsters. Satyrs. They're all there. And he says, I'm going to take care of all of that. And you know what? You're my new creature, and you're going in their place. Okay? So hopefully I hooked you for next week a little bit. All right? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. Above all, Lord, we thank you that we have your word, that we can look at it, we can study it, we can get into some of these things, and, and just come to understand that what you said you're going to do, you're going to do. And we'll give you the praise and the honor for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you.